Wow, Zach, you were right. The lights, oh my goodness. I am sorry if this boldness blinds you. I used a little bit extra Vaseline, so I apologize for that. I wasn't warned about the lights, so if that affects you, I apologize. All right? Let's, uh, my name is Joshua Macharia, like you said. I coach women's soccer here. Uh, I've been in the U.S. now for about 19 years from Kenya. Uh, let's, as we talk through, I'll share my story through this, uh, me speaking, and I hope you guys learn something about who God is. And, uh, but first things first, uh, there's two things I want us to be kind of sort out. Two things. Number one, and I think through this semester, we've been, or last semester and this semester, we're talking about who God is. Uh, the president uh, over Christmas shared this idea of the king, the Lord, and he is that. And he shared this thought of whether you like it or not, he is. And I want to reaffirm that. From the beginning, he created. Whether we like it or not, he is God. Whether we acknowledge him or not, he is. Um, whether whether you, you, you choose to say he is, he is. And he created you, he made you. He knows you by your name. He knows you by everything about you. If you don't know him, it's you, but he knows you. You are known. The second thing I want to kind of sort out is that we are called to a place whether we know it or not. So I, I kind of brought this out. Uh, this is the Kenyan flag. Apparently we cannot hang this everywhere around campus like I would like to. Because I think this is about Kenya. You know what I mean? So this flag has honored a place and is revered in a place. It has a place. Not everywhere. Right? Today, if it was a, like I prayed a warmer day with sunny, with sun and 80, 85, 90 degrees, which I was praying for, it didn't work out. But I would have worn this. That was a plan today. To wear this. So not only would my bald head shine, but colors would shine too. You guys would go, yeah, that's the shiki. We call it kitenge. You guys go, yeah, that's African. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it has a place. has an idea like, you know, you do this or we know you. You do that, we know you. Uh, earlier when I came in, there was a few guys around, and I asked Zach whether I'm going to get an offering. Uh, he told me there is no pay for this. So I looked around who had money, and I found Coach over here, and he gave me five bucks. Coach, my thank you. Um, Starbucks will be happy. But thank you. But so if I, I've seen this done so many times, so I figured I would do this. If I take this, what is five bucks, right? If I crumble it, and I've seen this done on many, like as a prophet did this fast and people have done so many times. If I crumble it, what is this? Would you still want it? What if I did that? What is it? Five bucks? Would you still want it? Now, do you know these five bucks, if I was in Kenya, 
is utterly useless. Can't buy anything with it. I can't even exchange it for anything. We don't exchange five bucks in Kenya. It's a very small amount to exchange. It hurts the person to exchange. So we don't use it. We would never use it. If I came here with my Kenyan money, uh, your one dollar is, is about a uh, hundred bucks Kenyan, a little bit more than that. A hundred shillings Kenyan equals to one dollar. If I came here with Kenyan money, you wouldn't want it. You can't exchange it, you can't use it. So everything, even though we think has value, only has value if it's attached to something else. So what I want to say to you guys today and set this up for you guys is God is Lord, God is King. Your value is increased by him, is valued by him. Outside of him, you lose it. You didn't have it to begin with. Just like the five bucks in the U.S. means nothing in Kenya, if we don't find ourselves in him, we're nothing. I, I, want us, I want us to walk through this journey of idea of who God is and who we are in him because I think there's a facade we think that we can add value to who he is but the truth is the other way around. He dictates our value. Not in a dictatorship way but that God is love and because of his love he adds our value. It's what drives him. It's what really drives God is his love for us. And you read through scriptures, he adds value to all that he calls and connects with. He meets Abraham and says, you're not Abraham anymore, you're now Abraham, and I will do this. It's because of his love. He meets Moses, a mother, and says, Moses, I'm calling you. You'll be my follower, and I'll send you to rescue my people. Because of his love, for Moses, he calls him because of his love for his people. He sends Moses to them. And now we, we see Moses with value. But I'm not saying we don't have it. I'm saying God already gave it to us. We're called to something. And because he's done that, because he already made you, you have value through him and in him. So the value we have is God-given. Let me, I was watching the basketball game yesterday. And I'm watching Reese play basketball. And when you talk to, you guys know who Reese is? He's sitting over here. If you've met Reese, Reese just walks like just, not, like he's never in a hurry to do anything. Right? Just walks easy, says he coach, and he just, normal life. But you see him in the court, that boy can move. And I'm seeing him move and I'm going, are you kidding me? How can I see that and not see the value that God has put in him by giving him that? That's God's fingerprint on Reese, that he's mine. How do we know? Because the way he moves, only I allow him to do that. Watched the men's soccer playoffs last semester, and uh, you guys watch, uh, there's a group called the Italians in, the men, in our men's soccer team. I don't know if they're here right now. Where are they at? Can you raise your hands, guys? Right there, sitting together, right? They're always together. 
Now, the passion for these guys in the game is insane. They're really passionate. But they're all in very different ways. They're very specific. It's God's fingerprint saying, you're mine. Whether we acknowledge him or not, he says, you're mine. I love you. You're mine. But we get so good at some of the things we do and we forget that we belong to someone. And he claims us. All because he loves us. There's no accident in here. He made you the way you are. And he knows you. He knows the deeper parts of who you are. And he made it. And he knows why he did it. So I want to clear those two things out. He's Lord, he's king, he knows you good. And he's called you to a place. You're not here by mistake, you're here for a reason. He knows you're here. Now I'll explain that a little bit. I was listening to a, a good friend of mine, pastor preaching in Illinois, Pastor Mark Quanstrom. And he said, he was sharing this idea of, a, let me give, he said, let me give you a geography lesson here. Do you know where Christ lived, was born and lived? A small town called Bethlehem, where nothing good comes from. Nothing, nobody believed anything good could have come from there. Nobody. And in that small, small, small space is where the king of kings was born. Small, small space. Nobody knows it. Nobody thinks anything about it. That's why he was born. So if that could happen, I kind of tend to think McPherson is a little bit more known. So I think he knows you're here and he knows what you, you, you're doing even now. And I think there's a purpose for it. If he could figure out Christ being born in Bethlehem, there's something he could do over here with you being here. There's a specific calling. So if we agree with those two things, we agree with those two things, then I want to, then we will share what I think God has laid in my heart. And this idea of God is love, or Christ, Jesus is love. Uh, there's a passage in Psalms, and I asked Zach if you could put up there, Psalms 23. It's a very common, very famous uh, passage. Those of you guys who are as old as I am or older would remember Coolio sang, wrapped this passage. Uh, those who don't, who don't know Coolio, find your coaches. They will let you know who that is. But this song was big, it was a big deal when he sang this song. Uh, we even had it in Kenya, so it's, it's a big deal. But Psalms 23 says this. I want you guys to hear God's word. Psalms 23. Now, if you hear an accent, because your hearing is bad, so make sure you get checked. Uh, if you don't understand what I'm saying, uh, uh, I apologize. People say sometimes I speak fast. I don't. We can agree and disagree on those things, but it's all right. But Psalms 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, even when smalled. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's what he does. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That passage, what God does, what a good shepherd does, is summed up with this. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And so my response to that, or David's response as he wrote this is, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So two things I want us to work out a little bit through this. What the shepherd does and what our response is. So God as a shepherd, he does this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. So he provides. He provides. Now I, I was a student once and I sat in chapel once. Or not once, quite a same thing with you guys. For the school I went to, chapel was assigned seating. So you got to sit in a spot. And that was your spot. And we had three days chapel. Uh, and I kicked against it, like every student, good student does. We do, we do right? You gotta find something to complain about. And the easiest one is chapel. And or oh, the lunch, right? The meals, right? <laughs> we got to complain. We can start, at least start with those two. Those are obvious. Uh, so I'm sorry if you're here. And again, I'm an African speaker, so we take long. So today I'll give you more material to complain about. So at least stay awake so you have enough stuff to say about, hey, that was bad because of ABCD, right? Don't just tell me, man, coach, you were bad. Have some reasons. Because I did back in the day when I went to school. Uh, so God provides. So what I want to do with you guys is to go back and think and ask, what does God provide for me? What has he provided? For, 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 for a couple of seconds this morning, take away your complaining heart and put this idea of investigating. And I want you guys to think, what has God provided? I, I, I'll tell you in comparison to an African life, uh, we, we don't have FAFSA. So if you're poor, you're poor, you're not gonna go to college. Um, 896 students just finished high school in Kenya. Our campuses can only take less than half of that. So school, college is not, I can go, it's I hope I get in. I hope I get in. For you to get in is not how much money you have, is did you get the right grades? Our schooling is, uh, you do one test of your senior year of high school. If you fail, you're guaranteed not to get to any school or any college. You have to pass that test. And if many of you passes, some of those who pass can't go to a school because there's no place for them. So has, you, has God provided for you today? Um, I, I I served, when I was back home, I served as a youth leader, and I traveled to many parts of Africa. Especially in Kenya, northern Kenya is a very dry place. One year, we got to travel to northern part of Kenya, where they had not seen rain for quite maybe three or four years. 
kids born who were four or five had never seen anything grow. Not trees, not grass grow. So they never knew any vegetables or anything like that because that stuff takes rain to grow. So as you enjoy your meal today for lunch, as the Lord provided your wants. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Has he? In which ways has he done that? I tell the girls this story and I tell my people, and I don't say these things so you can feel bad for me. Please don't. It is, this is not uh, asking for, oh, a poor coach. I, no, it's not. But I grew up with four brothers and we had a uh, twin bed. And we shared the twin bed, four of us. Was, we, we learned how to sleep like you don't move around. You just get in deep, you wake up, you go. Um, so it has Lord provided places for you to rest? Has the Lord given places for you to rest? Has the Lord provided for you? Has he given? And I'm not saying this to attack American life. Please don't hear me say that. I'm not trying to do that. I'm talking to you specifically and asking you, has the Lord provided? Don't wear the American hat right now. Don't wear my people. Don't do that. It's between you and God, and he's saying, he's asking, have I not provided? And I want you to investigate your life and ask, Lord, have you provided? He restores my soul. Um, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is unique for me because uh, I, li I love doing this. I love being here. I love being in church. I love being chapel. I love, I love chapel. And I, again, maybe I was not as good when doing as a student, but maybe I, I, I loved, I've always loved church. And God restores our soul through who we know and through the things we do. You're free to worship. You're free to go. You're free you can afford a Bible. You can afford to look at God's word. You can listen to music. It's, it's not like, oh, will I get, do I, no, it's a, you can do it. He restores your soul from the things that really pull your strings towards him. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God is preached everywhere. He's spoken about everywhere. You just have to listen. We just have to look. S someone said, no, miracles don't happen anymore. No, no, they do. They do. They do. Let me give you an easy one. I tell my wife this and she still laughs at me when I say this. Growing up, we used to watch a show called Fresh Prince of Bel-Air back home. You guys know that show? Will Smith. That's it. My, that's, that's, that was my experience with the refrigerator. I never knew what that was. I only knew it from watching on TV. So when we, when we go to our own place, with my wife, when we go to our own place, and I, we stocked the, the fridge for the first time in our, in our small apartment, she would find me every once in a while going to open the fridge and look inside and then close and walk away. So like, why do you do that? 
because God is good. Like what I used to see, I now can experience. That everything in here I can open and look and get whatever I need to eat and then go. Because I do remember days when my mom would pray for God to provide our meal and he didn't. But we say, still say amen and we went to bed. So has God provided for you? Has God guided you in his ways? Has God done miracles in your life so you can find him? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And this is very true. There's a story that was going through. Uh, and if you look at the news, you'll find so many of these kind of stories. Of a young lady from LSU who passed away, but he, he getting hit by a car. And the story goes back and there's so many things that happened to lead to that point. Do we walk through the valley of the shadow of death daily? We do. Is death always close? Yeah. Do we fear? Probably. If we don't know who we are in him, we will have that fear. If your shepherd is not close enough, if you're not close enough to your shepherd, you will have that fear. Because the next statement is very true. The main reason we fear is because we don't know whether he's with us. Says, I will have no fear for you are with me. Do you know he's with you? Uh, the next part I have to tell you guys, through my grandfather's eyes, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So back in the olden days, you know, most of you guys have never done shepherding. Anybody here has taken care of sheep and goats? Anybody? All right. Oh, you, cool, cool, cool. So olden days of doing it, Actually, my grandfather time, he would walk to where he wants animals to graze. And they would follow him. When he gets where he wants them to eat, he would sit down. And that's a nice place. And they would chill. But every once in a while, there'll be that one that they never really want to follow. So one of the things you do, they would put a bell on one of the leading that follows well. And as long as they hear this, they the shepherd making some noises and the leading animal, whatever cow, whatever it is, making that noise, they follow. So if you watch all the movies of shepherding, you hear this clink, clink, like bells, it's because of it. But if there's one that keeps on getting away through this process, the shepherd would use the rod. So he has two things, a staff that's long, carved. If you watch pictures of old Bible stories, Moses is holding one of those. And there's a rod that's shorter and, and thicker. And you'd use the one shorter and thicker to hit the animal's leg almost to a place where he breaks it so he can't walk fast. So then now he doesn't go everywhere. Now if that animal gets strong, he can't walk quick enough to keep with the others, the shepherd would pick it up and carry it. So if you see the Bible stories Pictures with Jesus carrying a lamb and this is a good shepherd. That's the meaning of it. God's love for us is so deep that he would risk that broken leg so he can carry you, so he can carry you through your days of trouble. 
So you, through your college days, if you mess up a lot and you miss him and you're doing all crazy stuff, you might get punished by the school, but God loves you still and he wants to walk with you. And your consequences might cause you to look like probably a broken leg. Maybe you get kicked out of school. Maybe you have to be suspended. Maybe, I don't know, so many things you could do, right? But there's moments where God can pick you up if you allow him. Put, him on, put you on his shoulders. And say, son, I will carry you. Daughter, I will carry you until you can walk again. And the closeness between you and me when I'm carrying you, hopefully, will call your heart back to myself because I love you. The stuff is for pulling things back. Come back. So before he uses rod, he used the staff to pull you back. But they also use for protection, protecting you from the enemies. If you guys don't know, sheep are the, some of the most vulnerable animals we have. They have no ways of protecting themselves. They have no horns. Their teeth can't bite anyone. Their heads are so heavy, they always walk down way. We, as men and women, as people, we have the most vulnerable thing we can, and that's our hearts. You can't protect that thing. You cannot. Many have tried to protect the heart. So my wife, my wife and I are married for now 12 years. Before we got married, when we were dating, I had hair and I was much leaner. There was promise there. The hair is gone. I'm not as lean as I used to be. She still stays. Still tells me I love you. I get home and she's still there. I don't know whether that's the ideal picture of the guy she thought I would always marry. I don't know. It's hard to protect the heart. The heart loves and cares. Just like a lamb. And if you think you don't do those, if you don't think, if you think you, can't, you don't need to protect it, you will find out in a hard way. So God says, I will come alongside you and protect your heart. And I'll show you how to love by giving, by giving of yourself to him and him giving himself to you. How did he do that? He died on the cross for us. John 3, 16 is still very, rings huge. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He, he gave himself to death to show you that he loves you. says, verse 5, you prepare a table before, before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, and it's true, we have, we have those we call, who call us enemies. You guys obviously have no enemies. But I know there's people who call you, you're, you're their enemy. Right? You guys care about everyone, right? So it's not, but God provides for you in the presence of that. And that's so many things. God cares for you so much that even in the midst of trouble, he will show up and pre prepare a table for you. 
And that looks very different in many ways. Looks very different in many ways. That's his love for you. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now this idea of anointing might be very new for you guys, you younger ones. We older ones know that people used, back in the day, people used to be anointed in church, right? To be prayed for. But in the animal world, a, a shepherd would anoint a sheep's head with oil to protect that from many bad insects that would go into a sheep to protect it from vipers to get away from it. Anointing is for protection. I hope you ask God for protection because there's so much that can harm you. A sheep has no ways of protecting itself from a viper. The only way to do it is to anoint it with oil. I wonder what kind of protection you need from God. I wonder what it is. I think you do. I think you know. Um, some of you, the viper is the things we are addicted to that we can't walk away from. And we know we can't help ourselves unless God helps us. We know we can't escape that unless God does it. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. But I know the only way to be protected from those things is be anointed by God. He's still in the business of protecting his people. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And this, this is good for you guys to hear this because overflowing means one thing. You can't keep it contained. You give to others. It's not meant for you to keep for yourself. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And this is what I want us to get in land here. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we know what God does. We know what he wants to do. We know his incentive is to do this because he loves you. So what's your place in this? Do you just chill and enjoy God's love and dwell and just hang? I want to say these next few things. Maybe, maybe you might be annoyed by how I say it. But I, this, I want to say these things, and I hope if you get annoyed, just, uh, talk to me. I'd like to chat with you about this. Or talk to God, because I think it's his word to me and hopefully to you guys too. Dwelling in the house of the Lord forever means a couple of things. One, love God. Love him back. Say, but I do. Show me what you do on Sunday, and I'll tell you whether you love him or not. Show me what you do in chapel, and I'll tell you whether you love him or not. Uh, we don't send people here. I don't think anybody comes here who's great, better than you. I think this, Zach sets us up an hour, twice a week, so that God, so that we can meet with God. If you come here for any other reason, stop your soapbox. God needs you 
to hear him. My challenge to you guys is this. When you come this way on a Monday or Wednesday, ask God to show up. Ask him to show up. Because he wants to show up. So don't come to criticize. Don't come to complain. Come to praise him. Come to love him. To dwell means that you come with others. He's called you to this place to be with others. You might be what someone else needs to find his way or her way. So come to love God and to give and love others. Come to seek him so someone else can be blessed because you're here. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever means this. That I will follow you, God. Not because I know where I'm going or because I believe everything from here to when I end up, but because I can see the next step you're leading here. One step at a time. God loves you. Then our mission stays that we will love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that loving means that you care for one another here. And that you show up because he's called you here. Um, so there's a word here for you. Most people say, you know, I have my phone, I have my Bible up on my phone. Open his word. Open his word. I can tell you so many stories, I can give you so many examples, but they mean nothing if you don't know that God loves you and you need to seek loving him. It's good to be here talking to you guys, but I would rather not say anything and allow you to hear what God has for you. And anything that comes in that, stops that it's removed away it's your ego take it away I'm gonna finish one story a few minutes Zach and I'll be done Zach is already calling me and saying hey dude you're done but I came to the US back in 04 from Kenya and I told the story about a dry place that I had gone to in northern Kenya I was there in May I came to the US in December for two weeks, I saw people who said were Christians eating in the cafeteria, take three different plates, didn't finish one, didn't like one, took different ice creams, didn't like one, and stuff like that. I saw a big waste. And for two weeks, I got mad at them. I started hating them and judging them. Then I started judging and hating God. I said, God, if you love people, if you love my friends in Lodua, in northern Kenya, why would you let this kind of waste? Why would you not take some of this food and send it there? And after two weeks of being in the U.S., I was ready to go back home. I was done. And then God spoke to me and asked, do you think you love people in Kenya more than I do. 
Do you think you can do enough to save their lives there? If I let you do, how much would you do to save their lives? And he said, do you think the people you see wasting food, they don't love them? Who are you to judge their Christianity? Who are you to judge them? He said, I brought you here to just work on you. And the main thing we need to take away right now, for me, back in that day, was my pride. It was my pride. You think you're a better Christian because you don't waste food. You might be in the same boat that I was that day. You think you're a better Christian or a better person because of da-da-da-da or because you don't do da-da-da like them. What God is saying is he wants to work with you and in you and nobody else. Father, I thank you for this group. I thank you for who you are, dear God. Father, allow us to know that you love us and you know us well. And that, Lord, in the grand scheme of things, we might see things differently. But in the simplicity of things, dear God, you want to save us particularly, individually. So, Father, I, say, I ask that you speak to your people, dear God. And, Lord, you speak to them and in them. And, Lord, someone will hear from you saying, I want you to hear me. In your name I pray.